Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got kids, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Nick the Mighty Quinn, which is fitting seeing as our actual two-time Premiership winning Harlequin has gone missing. To be more like Nick, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Right, this is the scenario we have here. What you've just heard was the last message that I received from the actual host of this show, Joe Marlett. So it turns out he's been missing in action after winning the Premiership final on Saturday. You can probably follow his adventures on Instagram, but we haven't been able to get him to come to work. So I've been left basically to chat with myself and introduce the podcast. Now, thankfully, we have recorded a very special episode with some of his Lions mates before he took the Premiership final by storm and went out on the mother of all lashes afterwards. So, basically, a very warm welcome to our Lions specials. We're now a Lions podcast for the next six weeks, and then we'll go back to speaking to cheesemongers, paramedics and astronauts after that. And from Monday, we'll have two episodes a week, which is nice, isn't it? So, without further ado, please enjoy this completely chaotic, absolute mess slash carnage of an episode about the 2017 Lions Tour to New Zealand, featuring James Haskell, Rory Best and Dan Cole. 
Oh yeah, and Joe Marlow, of course. I knew this would be a shower of shit. Whoever came up with this idea that we'd do some fucking lion specials. Rory, Rory's obviously got dial-up. Dial-up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. He's usually dial-up. He's got, he's got a thousand megabytes of data and he's just used it trying to enter this call. Do you remember in New Zealand when we, we had that internet and it was like, you can have 500 megabytes oh, yeah. for like 30 quid. You'd open your laptop oh. and download an email and it'd be gone. <laughs> Where was like, that? That was in a, that fucking hotel. Oh, that was in the middle of nowhere. There was one in like it was 20 a cold place. Was, uh, Sky City, wasn't it? Where it's like you got 50 megabytes free. And that was literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were done, weren't you? It was so oh, yeah, bad. That's why the Kiwis, oh. that's why the Kiwis love rugby so much, because there's fucking nothing else to do. Oh. It's like, you know, <laughs> I should go on the internet and watch Netflix. No. No. We, we could watch two minutes of a Netflix documentary before the whole of the internet ran out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, Tom, are you starting this or am I? <clears throat> I think you've got to do your usual introduction. I've got to finish beef jerky, haven't I? Uh, both uh, James and Danny, are you familiar with what happens when Joe tries to read a script? Uh, okay, I'm just going to let un- I'll let it unfold in front of you. Is it like anything that he tries to do, where it's just sort of garbled bollocks, awkwardness, and then just shouts one nil at the end of it? <laughs> no, it's it's unique. It's um, well, just go on, Joe. You go for it, but it'll take about twenty seconds, and then he'll snap out of it. Yeah, at best, he's not on here anymore, so he might show up. Okay. Am I on like a really budget version of you being framed? Have I just been <laughs> wasting my evening? I thought the Joe Marler show was a highly executive produced chart topping show. I'm supposed, to be at my, I'm supposed to be at dinner at my mum's house in bloody Berkshire at the moment. Dinner at my mother's house, bloody Berkshire. <laughs> yeah. oh. Bloody Berkshire. Do you want me to do the introduction? I'll read it. <laughs> he's nearly there, James. Oh, I'd say he's five seconds away from snapping out. <laughs> This happened with Tim Peake. It's oh, so This it? happened with Michelle Rue. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, this better be good, this intro. This time! Right, you lot are in for a treat today. I've rounded up three guests for you, and uh, they're all Lions tourists. Unfortunately, they missed out on this year's, this year's trip, so we're all gutted about that but I would like to welcome Dan Cole James Haskell and we're hoping Rory Best will turn up at some point and sabotage it all um, so yeah Dan and James welcome thanks for having us I knew you were going to pause really long I knew it I could see it in your fucking face it's so awkward Tom um, please welcome these two very, very special guests to our show. Do it as best you can, please. Dan Haskett, it's nice to have you here. We've got a lot to get through. And I'm going to give you the opening question, because this is what a lot of people wonder about the Lions when you first turn up, whether the hotel may be, if it's Penny Hill or if it's the Lensbury, wherever it may be. How do you bond, first of all? James, I imagine you just pile on in there. Dan, I imagine you sort of wait for people to make the first move. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think about Coley. Coley. Well, I was waiting for you to go because you were going to. Like, yeah, I mean, look, I I can't deal with awkwardness, so I just go up and introduce myself and say hello. And I, I obviously, 
being the Marmite character that I am, I see people body language like tense up when I come round, and they're like, "Oh God, this guy!" Um, especially on on this particular tour where I'd, I'd come on and replaced um, Billy, um, who's a popular, popular and world class player, and I, I, I'm neither of those things. So it was um, it was interesting, but I, I I just sort of go up and say hello um, and introduce myself, and sort of don't let anyone awkward. But if anyone tries to not talk to me. I just won't let that happen because I'm like, don't try and give me the big man. So if there's that big man on campus, I'll just go straight up and say hello to them and like, you know, just say lots of things into their face and then sit down and make loud noises, maybe offend a few people and then just walk off. Whereas the Dan Cole version is... Yeah, I uh, walk in, go go up to them, <laughs> offer a handshake. My name is Dan. <laughs> and then uh, we... <laughs> Uh, yeah, say hello to each other, and then conversation normally stops there. We move on and talk to someone else, and then I find someone I do and know. Then usually, and then, and then, you know, and then he them. usually just comes. He usually comes back and just sits next to me. Yeah. yeah. What happened normally happens is is that is that Coley will just nestle in the in the the shade of like of a doorway or something, and he'll pop out, not really know how to operate a hat. And he, if anyone tried to give him the bro, he would say absolutely not. He would come in with a firm handshake, yeah. go all right, and be like yeah, all right, and then he just nestle in back behind Mara, and they'd sit in the corner, arms folded, just with sort of real kind of angry expressions on their faces. But I met Dan Cole. I, I, I think he hates me. I was like, I think he hates everybody. I think it's just perfectly normal. Just on that, I'm really interested to know, Dan, how you've um, found things with the pandemic and that and having to fist pump people because <laughs> you don't, <laughs> like James just said, you don't really like the bro handshake and stuff like that and fist pumping is definitely not not for you, is it? Uh, no, what I do is I just try and... Um go as hard as possible so when someone puts the fist bump out you, you know, there's always that one twat that punches really hard that's me so um, yeah I just do that but I did find like you know social distance in social isolation that was fine I just have lived my life forever so um, <laughs> you've never been happier you've never been happier I mean I don't have to leave the on, house you know- alright then <laughs> I don't have to talk to anyone that's fine yeah my, my favourite bit about Coley is you know you know, you know you're really good friends with him. After about ten years, he looks you in the eye because other. <laughs> if you don't, don't normally get a lot of eye contact from Coley. It's sort of like. Oh, oh, hang on. We might be, we might be, um, blessed with the present of Sir Best. Jesus Christ. You not you not get one of your minions or servants to sort it all out. Yeah, you're gonna have to help me somewhere or another. How do I get? Why does he sound like he's talking through a potato? <laughs> How do I get and you know your permissions? He's, he's Have you got any headphones, Rory? This be my first question. <laughs> Rory, are you are you he's, recording this on a typewriter? He's on. Oh, he's on the blower to Nick Knowles. He's trying to sort out why he hasn't put his Wi-Fi properly. In. Chris, can you hear me now? He's got a baked bean can with a string. <laughs> can you hear me? Fuck's sake. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, we can yes. hear you. It sounds like you're shouting very loudly from Ireland. <laughs> yeah, if I open my window, I might be able to hear you. Give it a second. <laughs> yeah, give me 10 or 15 minutes till I find some. Um, it's, yeah. Alright, hold on. You need them to be plugged in. <laughs> Do the headphones have to work? <laughs> Do you reckon? Do you reckon Rory at home has one of those telephones that you pick up and hold to the ear and go, "Hello, this is two four three Belfast." Do you 
<laughs> I think the, the, the panic stations of oh, this could be. Why can you not do Zoom? I think they've hit the nail on the I head. Think, is he drunk? It's not a fucking business meeting, you tit. <laughs> Out, please. Thank you. Out, please. <laughs> He's just said out, please. <laughs> Have you just right. told a servant to get yeah. out? I'm all set now. Um, Sir Best, welcome. Bouchy. Very good, Bouchy. thanks, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Thank you ever so much for gracing us with your presence, albeit late um, and somewhat uh, distracting from the professional setup that was going on before you arrived um, <laughs> and also the non-awkward chat that Coley was filling us with. Is that a question? <laughs> I fucking knew this. I knew this would happen. I knew you motherfuckers. You, you all turn around and you go, right, guys, let's all gang up on Hask, but you've actually flip-reversed it and you're all going to fucking gang up on me. I knew it. I'm leaving. Sorry, who said they were going to gang up on me? It's not my show. <laughs> Uh, sorry, what's this fucking sorry, noise? What? <laughs> Someone's hoovering a table. Someone's, someone's sanding down a table in the background. <laughs> Someone left Rory, their fucking vibrator on in the drawer. No, Rory's just like Downton Abbey. There's someone with a, with a hoover clearing in the background. Send her away. Send her downstairs. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Right, Rory, now you've joined us, you're going to get first go at answering this question. So when you're flying out to New Zealand, um, not only the reprobates on this call, but of the whole squad, who are the snorers on the flight? Who are the ones who are watching the movies? Who are the ones who are talking rugby from the word go? I was probably the snorer. Coley most certainly was snoring. Um, Haskell was talking rugby and absolute shite as well. Um <laughs> I think I don't think Hask. I think you were beside Courtney Laws, were you? I think he played that outrageous game for twenty hours straight. <laughs> yeah, he did. He just played non-stop video games the entire trip. Who was who was the first class five? You were because there was you? five flights. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Jared, who was. No, oh no, I do that, remember yeah. Jared Payne, Coley's mate. <laughs> My mate, can we um, just right? We talk about introducing ourselves to people. Talk us through the first time you met Jared Payne. I don't think we need to get into how I uh, met Jared Payne, do we, Dan? Let's go with the the first class five. Who got it? It was me, Jared Payne. It was random out the hat. Was it Tyke? Did Tyke Furlong get it? Yeah, it was Cruz. Didn't you compare nose sizes on the flight? Benteo. Yeah, it might, who the fuck calls him Benteo? But if, that, if you mean by Bentio, then. Yeah, do. Anyway, there was Tom. There was this first class five that was all drawn out the hat, and um, I what was touch. very, very lucky enough to to be part of that. And um, some boys kept coming up to see what it was like, and it wasn't actually that big a difference from what they were doing. But a lot of boys that were around Hass kept wanting to come up to the first class area because he was annoying the fuck out of all of them, trying to prove to him that he wasn't that much of an arsehole. Did anyone want to go to economy to escape him? I think there were some people trying to tried to jump out to escape him. <laughs> <laughs> My, yeah. Roy, someone spent the entire trip in the toilet just to get away from me. 
But I think it's the weird thing is that the first class five slightly more popular than the geography six. Let's put it that way. It was actually, <laughs> it, it was actually, wasn't it geography seven? We worked out. I think we did work it out. There was well, it would have been seven if you'd let that player come on the field and not yeah. fucked him over. No, yeah. I think it was geography seven because you replaced Billy, didn't you? <laughs> I was not the geography seven. Uh, yes, how it dare is. you? I was. I was there at the start. Watch the Living With Lions DVD. You'll find, Tom, that nobody tried to escape me. Everyone embraced me. <laughs> I was like, you know that little uh, stuffed lion? I was like the equivalent of that. You were doing a commercial gig every night. Trying to charge us for being in that Italian restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I did. Every time I had to entertain the lads, I tried to send them an invoice because I was like, listen, this isn't a tour. This is entertainment. Stopping people like Coley and Marlick, you know, scaring everyone and crying into their Italian food. Rory Best, you know getting all upset I, I was literally the class clown for an entire entire trip and then tried to charge entire him career. for it rightly yeah. so here's a semi-serious question right when you go to New Zealand and they have won the last two World Cups at that point um, I think a lot of people back home were hopeful but not necessarily expecting much more so as a group of players who don't necessarily know each other that well and some of you know Warren Gatlin from before and some of you don't know him at all how do you all start convincing yourself and how do the coaches convince you that it's actually possible uh, I, I think you you know how good all the players are so you, you always think give a chance it, and look, they're a good team and it's a, not a particularly nice place to tour in New Zealand it's a little bit miserable but yeah look I think your first thing you do is you take a lot of confidence from how good the squad is how good the players are um, and yeah look I, I don't think when you go on a Lions tour that you need to be convinced that you're going to win I think you go there expecting to win yeah agree with Rory I think you look at the um, you know the squad that was picked um, the depth of it and you know with say Lions tours that they're not as because um, you're in such a short space of time it's basically getting the best players on the field in good a condition and you have a semblance of a game plan but um, you're relying upon the talent you've got and I think that's um, when you've got as quality players as you had you know you stand a chance Right, James and Joe, this is the, the question I would like to ask you two. So Warren Gatland strikes me as, as potentially quite an intimidating character if you don't know him well. So is there some massive amounts of ingratiation going on early doors? How are you trying to impress him? Uh, this is, that's a good question, Tom, um, that you've aimed at, at me and James as well, because I would I was hazard a guess that we've got somewhat polar opposite experiences and opinions of a Mr Gatland is that right James I don't know what your opinion is Warren so I, I don't know we might we might share the same we might not or we might not be prepared to say it in public so we'll go with whatever well, everyone's not going to cause any controversy let's go with that opinion shall we well you answer the question first then you tit um, I actually got new Warren at Wasp for, for, for years beforehand um, he was kind of responsible for helping me along with Sean Edwards have the career that I, I had and I was very lucky early on in that, that point so I, I have obviously a, a huge amount of kind of affection for him in terms of you know it's always ingratiating with people I mean I think I sort of operate the policy of trying to be good but then if I know I'm going to make the 99% the squad laugh and maybe the coaches are the brunt of the jokes I'm going to go for that I mean Rob Howley probably took most of my my focus on that door um He's a very he's a very lucky man that his habit didn't come out in 2017. It just came out in 2019 because oh. 
Jesus Christ, you would have had a field day. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, and so, no, I, I, I look. I think you always got to be polite. To, I think Warren is is quite intimidating. He's not. He's not. Um, he loves the chat, so he 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 was he was hovers around and wants to listen to the stuff and what's going on and loves a story. But he's not necessarily standing on tables handing out chat to people. So he can that kind of cold and slightly um, you know sort of standing off at a distance. So yeah, you, it's difficult to get to know that the the read on him. But I I think you just kind of got to be yourself really i think if you try to be too much with any of these people they're going to see through it or you're going to get caught out so i just tried to go look i know you this is the situation and be myself and be like when it's supposed to be focused on rugby we're on rugby rest of the time don't care um i'm struggling with what ingratiation is first of all sucking up basically means like trying to get yourself in with him like ingratiate okay um did i ingratiate did i ingratiate myself what is it ingratiate (laughs) Did I knob him? Did, did I knob him off? Did he to blow get smoke up his ass? Um, no, I don't think I ever got really close enough to blow smoke up his ass. He was quite a. I found him quite an awkward character, um, which says a lot, really, because I tend to surround myself with awkward characters, don't I, Dan? And I thought I thought it was all right. I thought I thought my experience of it was that it was quite obvious that the test team had already been picked. Um. And it was going to be pretty hard to change a lot about that, but that's that's just my view of it. And then I think I struggled with him <laughs> when I couldn't work out this scrum, uh, this scrum drill. I couldn't work out whether he was taking the piss out of us or whether he was being serious because <laughs> because both ways, if he was taking the piss out of us. Then it's like, hang on a minute, you're taking the piss out of the midweek veg. You're really not working on trying to keep the squad together, are you? And if he wasn't taking the piss out of us and it was a legit drill he was trying to make us do, then you go, hang on a minute, you're meant to be one of the best coaches in the world. So it was like, <laughs> it was like oh, fuck, what's going on here? Um, Bestie, do you, remember, do you remember that drill? I, I remember it. I was standing by the side of the scrummage machine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> up and down oh it was awful I know I know, yeah. I, know. I think I've had I a know. few low points in my career and I do think that that is is up there with them and then trying to come out of it trying to keep a straight face and sort of going fuck sake Tom it's then, so hard to explain I just going to say then you walk off and going oh for fuck's sake is this really what we're meant to be doing with the Lions they're going oh no <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when Andy Farrell heard you and told you off or someone flew in and told you off and take the piss and, we, and I, I remember standing there watching it like biting my tongue because I, I I was like I don't know anything about scrums but and now and now we're, and now we're, we're, just, we're all was, we watched it back on video <laughs> we were we watch it back on video and everyone on the sideline is pissing themselves as well and there's three of us doing Correct. it which is me, Joe and Bestie and we're coming to go and now and now and now and not like we've got to move our hips but not move the scrum machine forward and uh, you could just I'm giggling and I can feel like Joe the other side of Bestie shaking with laughter and there's three of us doing this drill trying not to be serious but like crying essentially <laughs> the three of us were all fucking a scrum machine um, and, and 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 shouting gently, gently and now and now almost with like a you know the class um 
what's it called? The spin class beat. Yeah. And now, and now, and now, and we'd step it up a gear. And now, and now, and now, and now. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck me, dead lads. What's going on? This is meant to be the pinnacle of our careers here. And uh, I can't work this out. But everyone was having a giggle. And I thought, as I walked off, and I, I was like, fucking hell, what has just happened? I think Big Faz has overheard me. And he's like, yeah, well, fuck you. What are you saying about that drill? And I went, it's fucking dog shit. He's like, yeah, well, fucking go and tell him then. It's, if it's dog shit, go and fucking tell him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. I'll do that. Yeah, no worries, mate. <laughs> oh, it was awful, yeah. Did you just unmute yourself to laugh? <laughs> I, I don't seem to be controlling the mute, so I don't... <laughs> I thought you were controlling it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going every now and again, it comes up as I'm muted. I'm going, well, for fuck's sake, like I actually would have something to contribute uh, here, I but think... I'm not allowed to. <laughs> so you bring me on, you put me on Chrome, which we don't use in Ireland, and then you mute me. <laughs> Rory, give us your side of that story then. It's the man in the middle of, uh, of Dan and Joe. It was just, honestly, it was one of those moments there that because we were all there, it was ridiculous. You try to explain it to somebody and they kind of go, oh, right, so you're in a scrum machine and you're trying to get your timing right. And you're going, no, 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 that that's not what it was. I know it might sound like that, but, you know, these are seasoned internationals you're talking about. And he did not want the machine to go forward. And it was honestly, it was dropping your hips up and down to and now, and now, and like the boys said, the worst thing about it was we were in the middle of it, so we had to do it. And everyone else around is just going, this is a fucking stitch-up. Where is the hidden camera? Laughing. And you're kind of having to take it reasonably serious because you're playing a game either the next day or the day after. But I was just like, yeah, it was. I've done some shit drills in my time, but that was well up there. It was, it was, it was good fun. I, to be fair, like James has said, he's, I guess, Gats has been on God knows how many Lions tours now. Uh, he's won God knows how many trophies, and he's a big supporter of you, James. And and he also before um, the Lions as well. I remember my first contact was him dropping me a message um, of support after Gypsy Gate. Um, that it all blown up and uh, he said, you know, don't worry about it, keep your head down, yada, yada, out of the blue. So, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, I'm sure he's a good bloke and he's got a good art. It's just a couple of my experiences were probably <laughs> interesting to say the least. I think that the Lions is, is ideally set up for him really because the game plan is, it's quite easy to pick up. It's very direct. It's very straightforward. You know what he expects from you. And when you don't have a lot of preparation time or you're playing twice a week, you know, it, it is sort of set up for that. Um, but there are times whenever, I think ultimately as well, when you're not getting picked in the test team, you sort of, you have to blame everyone else because it couldn't possibly be your own fault. So it couldn't. Um, and you just, like, you're surrounded by great players. So like not everyone can play, but um, yeah, it was funny. My last ever game was Barbarians against Wales and he was the coach and he was given a bit of a speech to say, look, you know, it was brilliant. You know, Schultz, last game, blah, blah, you know, played. And then he got to me and he went, Rory, honestly, I saw you play in 2000 and 
2012-13 season um, against Northampton in the European Cup. And he goes, honestly, I think it's the best performance a hooker has ever given uh, in a European Cup game. And I was thinking, going, I'm pretty sure that's the year you didn't pick me for the Lions originally. So it couldn't have been that fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there's always one or two players, even though I'm sure you get a feeling early on what the test team might be. There's always one or two players for people watching back home who make the first test, and it's a little bit of a surprise. And maybe in 2017, that was Peter Omani coming in as skipper. Maybe for some people, it might have been Ben Teo. Do you guys get a feel, James, first of all, do you guys get a feel for which way the selection's going to go, or are you blindsided sometimes as well? I mean, look, when you're sort of the midweek veg or the bin juice, I don't, you know, you you don't really you know you're sort of aware that you're not going to be involved um you know you, you the sort of the way these teams work is that you know like their favorite thing is you go out to training and they hand out a load of bibs and they're like don't read into it and you're like that is the test team right there and they're like no it's not anything could happen it's like no that's 100 percent the test team well you know anyone could anyone could play no no you've given all the bibs to them those bibs they don't read into the bibs. The bibs mean everything. Like, you know straight away. So you get a good inkling for it. I think, um, I mean, the Peter O'Mahony thing was great because he obviously came in as captain and then played the game and then, and then was dropped and obviously had gone from that elite level of, like, Lions captain, the greatest moment in his career, while all the rest of us, the rabble, the kit carriers, the, you know, the motley crew of idiots that aren't involved, we, we were the ones to pick up the pieces because he just got unceremoniously binned out and we were like, Peter... Come on, mate. Didn't Come get, for dinner with didn't us. Didn't get dropped to the breakfast and, and it, table. And it was like, <laughs> he did get dropped to the breakfast table. And it was like, you know, the because um, the best way they do it is they tap me on the shoulder and go, can I have a word? And what I used to do, because Graham Roundtree used to always do it to me, I'd, I wouldn't come to meals. So he had to find me. They're like, have you seen Hask? And I was like hiding under beds, hiding in the cupboards. Because the idea was that if he couldn't find you, then he couldn't drop you. But they dropped Peter Romani at the breakfast table. But obviously he missed out the training session, was with the midweek veg. We went out to dinner that night. And honestly, it was like the evolution of man, but the reverse. Like this tall, upright man. By the end of the night, he had his baseball cap on, was like tense fists, talking in the most aggressive Irish accent, drunk as hell, cursing everybody. Um, and that's basically how he spent the rest of the tour with us. Um, and so, yeah, it was uh, those moments are quite interesting. But in terms of like real surprises, not really. I didn't, you know, I mean, if they'd picked me or that would have been a surprise but otherwise I think it was pretty much nailed on from the start uh, yeah I think uh, Hask is right I also think I know we said it a lot but that 17 tour there's so many good players there weren't really much of a surprise I think what what probably surprised a little bit was there was a few of the outside backs that played in the Chiefs game that ended up almost playing on that Tuesday and then coming in because they'd they played so well. Um, obviously, it was nothing to do with the platform being set up front, but they they came in and, and ended up starting. Um, so they did. Yeah, so I think that, that they generally, if you're in that Tuesday team before the test, you're going no chance. But uh, for a couple of those boys to come in and start, I think it was Elliot Daly and Liam Williams would be were two of them. I think the writing was on the wall as well when the uh, geographical six came out, didn't they? And they were put on the bench for that Chiefs game. And it was like, oh, you've ring-fenced the test team. Which, you know, kind of made sense. But I think put a couple of noses out of joint. Hask, this is a fucking DJ set. That was not me. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Just because someone else else is speaking... 
Doesn't mean you need to interrupt and make it all about you. Let Dan fucking speak. We're here to nurture him. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the um, that you kind of knew that that team there was the Chiefs, and it was um, with the extra boys that came out that that was, you know, not going to be playing the test. So, how do you how do you boys feel now looking back on um, twenty seventeen and the geography six? Do you still feel the same as you did on tour about it being a bit like because there was unrest, not unrest, but the murmurs throughout the majority of the squad were like, "What the fuck, guys?" And it wasn't it wasn't so much toward for me. It was I look back on it and I go, I regret the way I behaved towards the the six players for the majority of the time. For some reason, I just went full resentment towards them as if it was their fault they'd been called up that that when they got the call up they should have turned around and said no don't fancy it actually you know do you know what i mean that's yeah. how i feel well, yeah, at that's the time totally, and looking back I, on it totally. i'm like that's fucking bullshit from me and especially especially the point at which what game was it the the hurricanes game hurricanes, when wig yeah. tried subbing us off and and you refused <laughs> to let it fuck off you told you told the referee you and you and your strange relationship with Ruan Poit. You basically uh, said the substitution's not happening, and he's like, "All right, then play on." And that was the final like ten minutes of the game. Was it you basically denying the chance of the subs to come on? But yeah, which was ironic considering I think the only bloke of the Geographic Six that got on was Alan Dell when you got yellow carded against the Chiefs the week before <laughs> for a shot that was, yeah, late. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, like, at the time, you know, it was a bit of a, a shock. But, you know, you look back and if you're one of those boys and someone says to you, you can come out the Lions tour and, you know, you're going to say yes, aren't you? No one's going to say no. I think the thing that sort of annoyed people was the fact that it was, like, there was a lot of boys that probably missed out on selection the first time around, like your launch of this world, that, could have come out and added and you kind of thought that there would be you know that's the lions and whereas they kind of went for blokes that were on tour at the time and you know i think it probably at the time you felt a bit it didn't cheapen it but you felt it was you know it should have been those blokes who were next in line who just missed out who've been desperate to play for lions and may never do that but then you know you look back and you're like it happened and yeah you would probably regret not you know you were a bit harsher than the rest of us joe but um you know it's not those blokes faults and we probably they probably bore the brunt of it and the squad when they shouldn't have because you know if you were in their situation of course you're gonna come you'd snap your hand off to get the chance to come right joe after all that soul searching i think i need a little break but before we go any further we should of course thank our lovely patrons who are our official sponsors first of all it's handy andy mckay Stevie the Wonder Jones Awesome Orson Stadler Julie Lowry aka Half Pint 4 Minute Miles Bannister Wee Jimmy James Blackman The Swindler Josh Swindles and Daniel Beers O'Clock Beers Baker To be more like Andy Stevie Orson Julie Miles James Joss and Daniel go to patreon.com search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, 
This is death of a film star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namon Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Those were the ads. Now let's get straight back into the Lions chat. So who were the lads you didn't know that each of you got on really well with? James, you first. Anyone in particular that you hadn't fancied before, hadn't got to know and you ended up best mates with? Rory Best. I, th- I thought he was a very odd little man, little egg-shaped person, little white scrum cap running around, incoherently speaking with his tall mate that I couldn't... Both, well, I, I, Honestly, they spoke to me. I, I didn't know they were just speaking English with an Irish accent. I thought they were speaking like... I, I thought it was a different language. I thought the whole time, what are they saying? I mean, Rory was better than Ian Henderson, but I couldn't understand what they did. And they just walked around like Shrek and Donkey the whole time. But he's someone that I, I wanted to be, like everybody had always talked about him being such a, a good guy. And he was someone that I, I bonded with. And basically, you know, I mean, I, I would say we're now, we're now friends for life. Like, I love Rory. I think uh, he made my tour like, like these other two guys did. Um, I think someone like Dan Bigger and Johnny Sexton, um, I thought I thought I'm never going to be friends with them. You know, Johnny Sexton was a guy that the last time I played against Leinster, he he ran over and called me a cheating something. And I, I can't say what I said to him because I, I don't know I mean, how bad the swearing is on this, but I basically said something to him and he, he was like open mouth because he'd never been insulted to that degree. So much so that the referee, Nigel Owens, had to call me to one side and was like, you can't, there's women and children watching that. Mothers and children. And I said, well, my mum taught me that. And he was like, I don't think she did. Um, and I thought I was never going to get on with him. And someone like Dan Bigger as well, he, uh, you know, Real competitor. I thought we'd have nothing in common, but both of them I got on with. I now friends speak to them a lot. Um, and I, I mean, I basically, you know, just go about the geography six thing. I, I, I saw it slightly different. Like I understand actually Dan's point is very correct in terms of those other players that could have flown out and and it would have made more sense. I didn't really ever have an a, opinion about those guys. I was sort of just so pleased to be there and excited to be part of it. I was a bit like wide-eyed and just very excited to kind of meet people and all these guys that I played against so many times over the years and basically had these big battles with and never got to know like Sean O'Brien 
I wanted Sean O'Brien to like be the Irish equivalent of me. Like I, I asked in my mind, I was like, oh, he's going to be that, that kind of character. And then, you know, I, I wanted to, to meet all these guys that you sort of kick fuck out with for, for so long. So with someone like the Geography Six and stuff, I, I just treated them as... Like got to know them. They had, I remember they had to stand up and do some stupid stuff. Do you remember, like, do a presentation? I, I don't think Corey Hill was that keen on me because when we went to do one training session and um, he was injured and he just arrived and I, and I was like, he didn't take part in the scrummaging session. I was like, what the fuck's happened to you? Did you fall off the bus? <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, it's a bit, a bit harsh. I was like, I can't, you haven't... How have you not? What have you been injured? How have you done that? Like, and so that, I don't think you. But then we subsequently got on well. I like I, how you just I spent the last talk. five minutes saying how nice you were to them, and then your first interaction yeah. going to a training session was that you were too harsh about him being injured and not being able to train. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying because how could you, how could you turn up to train and get injured when you haven't done anything? Like, how have you got injured getting between the hotel and the bus? Like and, and the training field, like that's that's got to be a turn up for the books. If you're the geography six, you're training at all costs. He was like, "No, but I can't. I can't train." Bestie, like, bestie, what about you, mate? Who who were you worried about, or had a preconceived idea on the on the tour that either confirmed your idea of them or changed their your perception of them? I think everyone like there weren't very many people on it that you wouldn't say you came away going don't really like him or I'm not going to spend a lot of time with him. I think like it was a really good good bunch I must say and I've said it before like I was a bit I was a bit unsure when Haskett called up late I must say but again completely changed my mind on him I kind of knew him as a bit of a gobshite but just wasn't 100% sure but honestly by the end of it it was just and probably Joe you a bit the same um, you, just, you do have when you play against these guys or you guys or whoever it is you kind of have this bit of an idea of what you're going to be like and it turns out that it's wrong and I think that was that was the case right throughout it. And I really like I really enjoyed that tour and I think largely because of when I compared the two tours, the thirteen tour I, I played a lot worse than I did in seventeen. But in terms of test appearances it was the same. It was midweek. Captain Midweek team, well done. What a great honour. Yeah, it is fantastic. Uh, I would definitely give that up to play on the in the test. But in terms of my enjoyment, seventeen was was so much better because of the people you were surrounded with. How about you, Dan? Who did you enjoy hanging out with apart from Joe? Um, ooh. Let, me, <laughs> let me get my list out. Um, no, I remember, I say, uh, Huss mentioned him, but I remember um, Dan Bigger. I mean, I didn't know the bloke beforehand, but you kind of, when you watch him play, you know, you, you can make your own assumptions. But then I remember we were on the, we all had a bonding session on the piss in Dublin and the week before we flew out. And I just remember getting on the bus, I think, and he said to me, um, I always thought you were a prick. I was like, what? Where did you get that impression from? And I was like, well, actually, mate, you're the prick. And then from that point on, he was brilliant, like <laughs> a lovely guy, he got on really well. Um, I mean, to be fair, once the tour finished, I haven't spoke to him since, but um, that was good. So, yeah, <laughs> he was all right. But who, who, have you, who have you spoken to since that tour? Uh, you, Hask, and Bestie. Excellent. Tonight. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I can't remember, there was a few others, but no, I think like, because you mainly know blokes from and around, so there's only a couple, mainly in the backs that you don't know. Um, and then, yeah, w- once you're done, you're done, aren't you? I'd, um... Can we talk about Ian Henderson as well for a minute? I know he's bestie psychic, but there was a moment, do you remember, Joe, in, uh, where were we? 
um, Hamilton maybe and we were coming back from an escape room and I think it was three of it was like you, me, Tips and it might have been Hask and we're walking down the street and Hendo's coming the other way with his fiance at the time now, now married and he we all looked at him like waiting to be introduced and he just looked at us and just walked straight past <laughs> <laughs> totally fucked us all off and it's just like cheers good he to see you he also picked up speed the way. I think he did definitely pick up speed <laughs> Did we get in the lift with him as well, just randomly later on? He just still just didn't talk at all. There's like four of us in the lift, and he's just like... One of the strangest say a word I've ever come across. <laughs> I only spoke to him. I only spoke to him when we did that. We did that twenty-four hours of drinking at the table. Like the rest of the time, I, you know, I genuinely couldn't understand what he was saying, and I couldn't work out what he hated me because he had a bit of the old Tom Palmer about him, didn't he? Yeah. The serial killer, you know, that kind of like quiet yeah. sort of. Just to clarify, like, made, Tom you know, Palmer, the ex wasps lock and England lock, he is yeah. not a serial killer. That is um, needed <laughs> no, to be but said he publicly. Did, he, he did leave wasps because he ran out of space under his patio and go to Stade Francais. <laughs> so he's actually not a serial killer. But if he does turn out to be one, you heard it here first. Rory, I feel like you should you should leap to Ian Henderson's defence here. Hendy's a very special person. Very special. I think it was actually before one of the test matches. Was it the Hask? I think you were there with us. We are getting some lunch. And we're kind of sort of sitting down. Hask has gone into full-on panic mode because he hasn't eaten in three hours. And you're there going, well, you're standing in a restaurant just going fucking order something. Like, <laughs> we're getting a couple of pints. You get whatever you want. So we had a couple of pints over lunch. And uh, next thing, Hendy goes, oh, fuck, I better go. Get back to the hotel. Uh, I think I'm warming up as 24th man tonight. <laughs> I was like going, Hendy just had a couple of pints. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll never get on. It's fine. <laughs> I remember, wasn't it Light Out D as well? He was called Light Out D, and it was like a mirror defence. And, like, he was like, Murr. And it was like, everyone would, I think you, Marlon, were literally like, what the fuck are you saying? He's like, Murr. It's like, what's that, mate? Murr. It's like, and he just, he didn't get the joke. the three wise men? Are you yeah, but that's what he was saying, mirror defence, really. But, like, literally, didn't get the joke. Everyone else is like, what the fuck are you saying? He's like, Murr. Like, right. And he just couldn't comprehend what we were laughing at. He's fucking brilliant. Murr. I would <laughs> say you'll come back. I would echo Rory's words earlier, Tom, that I, I haven't had any pre experience of, of a Lions tour, but the the tightness, the unity of the 40, 41 man squad was like massive massively apparent to me and there wasn't there's always been that talk of separation between the test team and the veg and all that like, which there is naturally of course there is you end up training at different times or and different focuses that you know the the test team can't go on the piss as much and in the aptitude thing but i thought the tightness of the whole group was was genuine it wasn't just fluffing each other or just paying lip service to it all and I don't know if you remember this, Bestie, but I remember you having a pint, obviously, um, and you talking about 2013 and saying that you you were putting such a big focus on this tour and approaching it differently to how you did in 2013 because I think you remember saying that you were quite bitter or the way you ended that tour wasn't how you wanted to and you look back on it and you wish you'd enjoyed it more or contributed more in terms of the boys that weren't involved and to try and keep them on side a bit more and 
um, that really stuck with me for for the 2017 and the amount of effort that you you put in to make sure that the guys that weren't involved, like ourselves, still managed to have an unbelievable time. He's going to turn around and says, "I don't remember that because I was half cut the entire time." Uh, well, uh, you know what? I do remember. I certainly remember the feeling from 13, and look, it was just. You, you kind of it is what you make of it, and that tour in particular felt really disjointed. I know Coley speak can speak about it as well, but it just sort of felt. It also, I don't think the caliber of players we had was was probably quite the same in some positions, and you kind of. I remember leaving that as I was probably thirty one, I think, on that tour, and kind of going, "Well, there's no way I'll ever go on another Lions tour in four years' time, no chance." And to get the chance again. And then to, for you to miss that lift against the Auckland Blues and for obviously for me to take the blame for it, um, I kind of knew then <laughs> I wasn't going. I wasn't probably, certainly not at the start, I wasn't going to play in the test. Um, I'm just going, having a moment or two where it felt like 13, where I nearly went, you know what, I just want to go home and give up. And after a day or two, I just went, look, I have a chance here to actually play in a Lions jersey and it be more of a reflection of what I feel I can I can do. And if I don't play in the test, I don't play in the test. But uh, my God, I'm going to make sure that at least I'm going to enjoy playing the midweek team. And I'm going to try to play as well as I can personally, but also as a team. It's kind of almost where you go, right? Well, look, we're unbelievably talented players in this team. Don't be sort of... Let, take the shackles off nearly and go and play and enjoy playing and throw the ball about a little bit when you get your chances of forward to scrum or maul or whatever it is, just go and fucking do it and do it the best you can and don't feel sorry for yourself because life can be full of regrets and I was really fortunate to get another go at it. Question for you, James. What was the single best night out? Was it the one in Queenstown? Is it stories about a cheeky night out in Queenstown between the second and third tests? <sighs> Um, uh, do you know what? I, I would say that the night that we won the, fir- the, uh, the first game on tour, you know, uh, I think I didn't appreciate it, but, you know, we lost we lost the first couple of games uh, on that tour and it was like, you know, we really had a lot of pressure, the midweek team, to get things back on back on tour and that's kind of responsibility. Like what Rory said, and, and you know, as a captain, he sp- always spoke very well um about that stuff on the field and in team meetings and stuff. And and I think we all felt part of something. And even if, you know, I, I was never really concerned about the test stuff. It, it would have been the dream. And I came away going, you know, do I, can I call myself a lion? Cause I didn't play in the test side. Now I didn't do that. And I don't go, I don't regard myself as that cause I didn't get a test spot, but actually what we did out there to win that game and get the first win on the road was so important and I you know I never forget that we you know we came in and Warren Gatlin came in the changing room and was talking to everybody and was like you know getting everyone around this guy's unbelievable performance you know we haven't made our minds up you know that's a great and I just interrupted and went so you're saying there's a chance and everyone was like <laughs> right. and then we basically got on the bus and sat on the back of the bus and you know, got the first win on tour, taking the pressure off the rest of the team, and we were able to go and have a night out. And I think that was just when Rory had been 
knighted Sir Best of Ireland or whatever. And we just, he was, he was like our, our figurehead, our like emotional leader. And I just remember me, Cole, he, Rory, and all these boys in the back of the bus, just drinking beers, laughing, so excited that we'd won in a Lions jersey, that we'd won, you know, our first kind of proper game, going back to the hotel, going out, seeing the fans, um, and, you know, all of them wanting to come up and talk to people. And we're like, nah, unless you, if you want to talk to us, you have to buy us a beer. And they're like, no, seriously, I was like, no. Um, let me just interrupt you as Dan Cole's agent. If you want to speak to Coley, go and buy us a beer. And we ended up at a table about about 400 kroners and someone would ask a question and then we'd go, no, 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 it's one drink per question. You don't get to go off to a whole thing and pin someone in the corner. Mate, it was just stuff like that. It was just so funny. And every time, every time we went anywhere, Bestie, we just made everyone call him Sir Best. We would salute him into everything we did. We played this, we played this non-stop drinking game the whole time that involved all these actions. <laughs> I still remember it now. It was Hask, Hask. I can't remember what Rorish was. But it was just, we did it everywhere we went, took over these places. And then we trained the house down and went again and got a couple of wins and had these kind of emotional journey where we, you know, we should have beaten the Highlanders, but we lost. Then the Hurricanes, you know, we we ended up blowing a 30 point lead or something where we, we, you know, we were on fire, couldn't have, couldn't have done better. And all these moments, you know, came together. But the first night was definitely the best. There were some really good nights out, actually. I really enjoyed the the night in the Italian restaurant, mainly because it was the breaking of George Cruz which was obviously incredible. <laughs> it, well, no, it was just, it was brilliant. Do you know what? It was just, it was just really good fun. I'm pretty sure the back of that bus you were talking about as well, Hask, we were also doing the scrum move. I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a picture in my head of Coley almost hanging off sort of one of the roof racks going, and now, and now, and now. <laughs> yeah, so look, it was really, really good fun. Really good fun. Dan, what did the breaking of George Cruz involve? Um, well, it's it was the week. Um, so he played the first test, didn't he? So he went from the highest honour in world rugby of, you know, uh, playing the first test. He then had not his finest hour in a Lions jersey, well, in any jersey. And then I can't remember if he basically, was it the video review came next a couple of days later, didn't it? And, ba- and I think Rob Howley basically went, it's in Marla's book, if anyone wants to re- buy that and read it. But basically, <laughs> Good yeah, plug, Dan. Rob Howley yeah, picked up like, yeah. Down. Oh, yeah, thanks for the signed copy, Joe. Appreciate that. Loved it. Um, but like the, uh, I think it was like three or four clips, basically, cruise, cruise, cruise. He then like said, he was trying, you could see the, the worrying in Cruise's head trying to make an excuse because he was going to, um, he fucked up a pick and go, didn't he, or something like that. And he's like, Rob Howley spoke for about five minutes about promoting a 12. Then he went back to Cruise and Cruise's like, Rob, why don't we promote an inside centre to carry? He's like, oh my God, have you been listening? And anyway, it went on, went on, went on. He then went to the defensive clips and there were Faz was just going, it was like George Cruz, George Cruz. If Faz cut his short, but as he cut it short, the video analyst, they clicked onto the next clip and that was also at the bottom, didn't add like <laughs> Cruz. So he, a, he then basically got uh, dropped, didn't he? I think he got put in the, on the bench for the midweek. And then, like, he was, yeah, basically, his whole week was getting shit because he was, like, doing a line-out walkthrough. And he's like, Cruz, why are you here? Why are you here, Cruz? He's like, because I've been dropped. Like, anyway, so then I think he got halfway through that game, didn't he? He came on for Courtney. So that was like, oh, he's not playing in the test. Courtney is. Well done, uh, Cruz. So he gave him shit as he came on the field. Anyway, that night we then, well, the next night we went out for an Italian restaurant, wasn't it? The bestie organised this VIP uh, Italian restaurant, which was basically 
a shed in someone's fucking garden uh, on the piss. Like, I don't know what the barbell was, but it was... Omani had been dropped well because it came to the final three, didn't it, in the credit card roulette. And it was Omani, Marla and Cruz. Then it went down to just Marla and Cruz. And it was like, and Cruz didn't want to play originally because he shouldn't have been there, which was his <laughs> karma. He basically then ended up losing, didn't he? Had to pay, was it three grand, something like that, on the, the bill? Yeah, well, I did <gasps> say to him, I said, look, Cruz, it's quite a hefty bill. Let's just go 50-50. And because he'd gone that far down the down the road, um, he went, no, no, um, no, I want to go all the way then. I want to go all the way. We're like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. And like you said, Dan, karma really fucked him there. And uh, yeah. he ended up losing and paying the whole fucking thing, and it was just yeah. wonderful. Then he got it a, was wonderful. Then we also, we, yeah, we had a great night out. The next day, he's got a like him and Steve Borthwick played together, didn't they? And like, I remember us going down to you, Marla, text Steve, like, ask Cruz how his night was. And uh, Steve didn't tell anything else, and just Cruz <laughs> explaining his night to Steve. Just, I think that made Steve's tour just literally crying with laughter about Cruz. Uh, and then was it the next day we had a non twenty three? The the final part, which people don't remember, is he had to pay for this bill. But then two days later, I think on the morning of the test, we all had fitness in the local gym, and we we're in groups of three, and we had to rotate around. There's like a station on the Versicline or the Watt bike. I think there was weights. And Cruz was first up on the rowing machine, and as he literally took the first stroke, the thing snapped in half. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, yeah, that, <laughs> and that was just Cruz. Like it was just it couldn't have got anywhere. That was yeah. Um, but he had a good time. Um, but yeah, that's what we remember. <laughs> we is basically the downfall of Cruz. Yeah. So we'll pay him back. We'll still pay back George. It's fine. The 24-hour drinking, can I just clarify, were there any other rules apart from drink for 24 hours? Yeah, when Rory Best said, finish your drink, you had to finish your drink. He said, I said, can we play a drinking game? I was like, what's the game? And he just went, drink it. And, you, and you, I'm like, what's that game? And you just, you have to finish it. And it, whenever he felt like it, we just, he just we had to drink it. That wasn't scary. And then putting toothpicks into our heads. I remember sitting next to him and he goes, has, 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 sticks a toothpick right in his head. And I was like, what, what's the game, Rory? He goes, no, there isn't a game. You just stick toothpicks in your head. And we're all sitting there. I look like Hellraiser with just toothpicks sticking out of my head with blood like dripping down my head. And then you go, finish it. And we just snack another. It was awful. There was zero skills to this. It was just called Next. It's quite simple. Um, the big thing when you're dealing with these boys is not to overcomplicate things. But on the toothpick thing, now that is, Coley has to take some responsibility for that because that was at the very end of 2013. I think it was Tom Young's introduced me to it, and I thought this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. He was like putting it in his in his earlobes and his eyelids <laughs> and everywhere. It was absolutely fantastic. How deep are these toothpicks going, Dan? Oh, just to the bone. It's fine. You just grab it into it until it sticks. <laughs> it must be. It must be an Ulster thing coming up with weird drinking games. Don't you remember when Jared Payne said um, we should all get a crate of beer? and all climb a tree in different parts of a field on yeah, your own. The hermit half dozen. What's it called? The wombat. It was the, the wombat, hermit it? half dozen. The wombat. The hermit's half dozen is when you lock yourself in a room and you can't come out until you've drank it all. The wombat was where you climb a tree, drink it, <laughs> and if you fall out, <laughs> you've lost. Uh, but you can only come out of the tree once you've drank all, like, the crate of beers. It was like, wow, what, that, what a game. Poor, Let's do that. poor JP, Jared Payne, that was his. Con- that was his, probably one of his biggest contributions to the tour because 
he then didn't he didn't play again, did he? And we didn't see. In fact, he went missing for quite some time, and we didn't see him again until the court session, um, towards the end of it. And he came in a morph suit. He just came in this hut, and we still didn't see him because he didn't contribute to that either. We were like, "What?" Yeah, the but fuck it was a white morph suit as well. So when he st- it was a white morph suit, so when he stood near the wall, we couldn't see him. <laughs> and, and then the joke was, it was like very much like what he'd done on tour, non-event. It was like, "Who's that guy? Is that a person?" They're like it's Jared. You're like, mm, "Never mind." It was awful. He just flew there, there, and back in first class. <laughs> he had a great time. Well, let's go back to the rugby briefly, Joe. That that final test. So you guys are all watching. Be honest, did you when the final whistle went and the game is a draw, did you know what the rules were? Did you know what was meant to happen next? Not a clue. The the whole atmosphere in the stadium was bizarre. It was like it was as if I don't know, it was just so weird. They were like, Okay, is that it? Is that it was like a Oh, no, surely there's something gonna gonna happen now surely there'll be like extra time or a shootout or something it was just weird wasn't it coley we were stood there like oh yeah. uh do we shout do yeah, we it was cheer? like say like the whole stadium was literally like you know because that penalty at the end of the session it was like bubbling to a crescendo there was like nice to draw what extra time nice to draw what <laughs> uh, kick nice to draw and literally just the whole place went and just deflated didn't it it was literally like, it was honestly like can we not play extra to not finish the thing like and say but yeah, it was it was straight. It was really surreal because they literally had all the fans, and it was kind of they came around to the idea of drawing. It was actually, you know, ended up being a great result and reflection probably the, the test series. But it was just that couple of minutes, wasn't there? Where it literally went, what? That's it. What do, what do like, we think about the actual um, the penalty and the the balls up with the French with the French referee? Who was it? Gauzet, Garcez. It was Garcez, wasn't it? Was it? Or was it Roman? I think it's Roman. It was Roman Poit, because I can still hear Kieran Reid in his disbelieving voice. Okay, Roman. Roman. What do we actually think Roman. Has he completely caved and bottled that? Oh, definitely. I I would have liked to said I I saw it, but I was too busy getting Roy Best Kids chips. (laughs) (laughs) I was sat in the stand. Honestly, Rory comes up to me and goes... Like his kid with him, he goes, look, I've got to go off and do some media. Can you look after my boy? Right, And this little boy's looking at me, and I'm looking at this boy, and I'm like, I don't have children. Like, I don't really know what to do with it. And I didn't know. I was like, yeah. I was like, hi. He's like, hi. Do you have like, right? He's like, yeah. And we're watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, DJ? how much bench, no. little kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have your own podcast? No. Um, and he was sitting there watching. And, I, and then and, I, and, I, and he was like looking a bit cold. And I went. It was like coming towards the end of the game and I was like trying to watch it and I went, are you all right? And I went, do you, do you want a drink or something? And he went, huh, I'm so hungry. And I went, are you? Did you, um, your dad give you some food? He went, no, I didn't get any tea. And I was like, well, what, what can I get you? I get, I, do you want some chips? He's like, yes, I need some chips. So I, 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 fucking, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I just went over and I got, I got, I, I didn't ask him for any money because I thought it was tight, but I went over to get some chips. <laughs> Got his portion chips. I didn't came back ask a seven-year-old for any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing the best family, they're all holding, folding. So I, 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 I sat in there. I sat there. He's eating the chips, and I missed the final kick thing. And I was like, "Oh, we're going to extra time. This is ended." He's eating the chips and ketchup all over his mouth. Rory comes back. I went, "Look, um, I, I fed you, fed your boy. He didn't. He hadn't eaten. He went." He had fucking eaten. I gave him a full dinner. <laughs> and he's absolutely pulled your pants down. And he's just there, like, hiding by his dad, like, 
I was like, oh my God. So I missed the whole part, the last part of the game. I didn't even see what happened. Everyone's like, oh, do you really enjoy that, like, Roman Poit moment? I was like, no. I was standing for queuing for chips for Roy Best Kid because I was so terrified that he was going to die on my watch of hunger. Yeah, it's but in fairness, has, it's probably all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was contemplating. Fairness was all right, has because you wouldn't really have understood what was going on anyway in the rugby. So it was grand. I'm actually the best thing for you. Get in the queue with the supporters, entertain them, get the kid chips, and this, just and the penalty. The penalty was stone wall penalty, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. It was carnage, absolute carnage. I have no idea what was going through. Roman Poit's head. I rarely know what's going on through his head. He's a phenomenal human. I love him to pieces, but he makes some bizarre calls and that has to top them all. I think when you watch it back as well, it's it's the way Ken Owens not only catches it and holds it, but then throws his hands up when he realises he's, it's the, he's the guiltiest man in the world. It was just, it was unbelievable. Right, let's finish on... Um, what we usually finish on on tour and try and touch on because I can't remember a huge amount of it. I can only remember the prep that went into the court session um, at the end of the tour. Which you uh, did? Did we make you judge, or did you assign yourself judge, Bestie? I think you asked me really politely to do it, and after turning it down several times, I eventually had to go. Okay, look, if this means this much to you, then I'll do it. No, I think you asked me to ask you to do it. So, and you said you have to ask me t- to ask you to do it because I've got an OBE at the end of my name now. So you you have to ask. I'll ask you. Ask me to ask you. So it was your doing, Dan. What do you remember about the prep work that went into this um, court session that we needed to prepare for? I remember trawling round. Auckland, uh, as Tia used to call it, trying to find a sex shop that Bestie had sent us to to collect some goods, um, getting in there. And I was dying, just dying of, like, embarrassment, awkwardness. Um, and then basically going in, you were in your element, you were loving life. Like, oh, let's try yeah. to like, I was just literally stood there like, Oh God! Can we just buy this stuff? You had no idea. You had no idea where to look. My, you could, you like, no. honestly, the colour of your face. In fact, the colour of your head. My um, eyes were open that day. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then I've got a little bone to pick with you because having read your little book, you made out a story. I remember it correctly. I refused to touch the merchandise. I was that embarrassed. I couldn't even carry them in hand carrier bags. And it was you carrying the stuff when the little kid looked over and saw what was in your bag. And that's what made me walk off. But yeah, yeah. No, I, it was... Um... He didn't walk off, mate. You saw that this kid had spotted that there was this giant dildo in my bag. And he was just about to turn around to his father, who was in a lion's shirt, to be like, Daddy, what's in that bag? And I looked around to my left and you'd fucking sprinted off over across this red light whilst we were like, waiting. Oh, and I was like, oh, It was no. just oh, most awkward. And the thing was, I think, yeah. Like, it just looked even shiftier walking in and out of this. You know, like you act cool, whereas I was the prototypical, like, just looked incredibly awkward going in and out of this shop. <laughs> when you say that you looked awkward going into that particular shop, don't you just mean any shop ever <laughs> at any time? True, that is, yeah. 
What about what what about you, James? What do you remember about that court session at the end on the on the last couple of days? I don't remember any of it. The boys were pretty loose. Boys were pretty. Tell me to just remind me some of it. I've remember at the top, we we had to prep it all, get all the piss ready. Oh yeah, get all oh, the table, God, get all yeah. the court ready. Yes, I was dressed as a goat when I, or something. Why well, I don't know why. Why was I dressed as a because goat? Because we had we didn't get Billy Vunapola, and instead we got a Billy Goat. So we thought we would um, we would dress you as a goat. Oh. And actually, going into that court court session, I got Jerk Harmony <laughs> came over to me and went, "Look, Rory, we've done a lot of really good stuff cross community. It's been a really successful tour. Please don't fuck it up now." And this is your responsibility now to make sure that boys don't make an absolute idiot of themselves. Don't worry, Jer, under control. <laughs> didn't it get out of like? Didn't I remember right? Didn't the whole place get trashed? We had to sp- I remember. I remember drunkenly like hoovering stuff up and sweeping stuff. Didn't it just get complete carnage and everyone just sort of milled out Did, of there? It surely has. If you'd have been, if you'd have been hoovering up there, Husk, there'd be that on video. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, stay humble, but tell yeah. everyone you're being humble. That's my yeah. favourite trick. Because yeah. oh, ever since Richie McCaw asked that broom and swept that, swept that, swept that local changing room, I've been going around going, "Give us a broom." Can you get the film crew out? I've. The and then w- as soon as they stop filming, I throw it away. There was one moment that sticks in my mind was when a couple of boys had gotten really quite loose, and one of which, one of which was um, Sexton. And he was getting Larry. You know, he was he was the one shouting from me. He was the standard heckler that he he would love to be involved in the top table stuff and orchestrating it. But if you actually offered it to him, he'd be like, "No, no, no, no! I, I just want to be the heckler in the back." And um, I remember him shouting out, "Our tips! Did you shag Gats's wife or what?" And we were like, "What the?" F- Fuck, because he was angling the whole time to be like, why is Tiprick one of the greatest um, number sevens in the world at the time, in in Johnny's opinion? How the hell is he not starting in all these test matches? Like, And he was just shouting it as loud as he can. Did you fuck Gats's wife or something? What the fuck is going on? And we're like, oh, God, where do we look? Someone needs to escort Johnny out of the court session. Otherwise, this isn't going to take place. And you just saw um, Warby slowly sinking into his chair, like, oh god. <laughs> the only one who didn't get the only one who didn't get drunk was Warburton, was he? Because he nursed the same drink from the start of the evening to the end of the evening. Yeah, he ended up he ended up starting another fire pussy because his light <laughs> caught his drink caught fire. <laughs> it was so hot; he'd been but, holding it was so long. <laughs> Do you remember that, mate? I'll never forget that when Ben Teo, after that night, went and, uh, you know, the fire alarm went off and he blamed it on Warburton's pint and then kicked the door in <laughs> to Sexton and Owen Farrell and just shout, kept shouting, you fucking lads, you fucking talk about your blitz defence and he'd like tackle on the bed and he'd go, you fucking, you've only got one shag between you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> we're completely mad. <laughs> we're, we're completely mad. And then, and then, and then panic. Do you remember? Then he, he would be like riding on a high go completely mad the next day he'd be like the and fear, then he'd disappear the fear would, the fear would like, what's like, really? delete the group massively. everyone delete the group <laughs> yeah. delete the group send me a screenshot <laughs> saying you deleted it delete the group screenshot delete like <laughs> just chase after people like have you deleted the group have you deleted have you deleted the, have you cleared the group have you cleared it it's like yeah DIY like, can't get out like, absolutely oh, brilliant, brilliant. I've got- you've got one fucking shag between you you fucking idiots blitz defence <laughs> 
mate. It was just so good. It's like they were passed out asleep, weren't they? Like, and he was just opening their eyes yeah. up. Like, <laughs> he's holding up going. It's like, mate, mate, Owen, mate, mate, you fucking blitz defence, mate. They, like, tackle them. Go, you two fucking pussies. Oi, well, tell us your best shagging story. You met a girl and got married. That's fucking shit. That's fucking... That is too funny. Fuck's sake. Boys, boys, boys. We, honestly, my cheeks are hurting um, <laughs> from reminiscing about that tour and the stuff that that took place and I've got nothing but fond memories having looking back on it now and there's some there's some things I would have done differently like we, we've all mentioned um, but the memories I've got f- from that tour are unbelievable and I could sit here all night chatting shit with you boys about various different stories that we haven't touched on already um, but I can't because I've got four kids one of which is screaming the house down um and i also can't stand listening to the jet that's been flying over rory's house circling for the last hour and a half um so it's fucking giving me a migraine as well as the builder's light that i've put in my caravel um so i just want to say thank you so much for coming on boys i was quite nervous but also looking forward to doing this one. But thank you for giving up your time, especially you, um, James, because you seem to um, be doing everything. So it's so kind of you to give me five minutes. Listen, any opportunity to spend any time with you lads, I'd do it all again. I have the best memories of 2017. I wish that we could go to do an escape room, then have a night out with a drinking game and just descend into chaos, then wake up and do it all again at breakfast. We should do. <laughs> we need a reunion we need a, a say next time we go to New Zealand in whatever eight years time we'll all we'll all have a reunion and go there and just do our own alternative tour which is escape rooms drinking escape room and then and the scrum best and the you scrum can drills. almost miss your flight home the scrum drills and then yeah we'll just do that you can have a Mega Mac Joe what's a Mega Mac <laughs> It's like, uh, I don't know, Joe got one at like 4am, but it's like, is it like four patties or something? Um, yeah, yeah. It's basically one. double Big Macs yeah. on top of each other. Right, but so they, they, so yeah, what, I've all, what I've already done is I've wrapped up the show, um, so just shut the fuck up now, <laughs> and Tom, wrap it up again. <laughs> so no, we can no, no, I've still got some, I've <laughs> no, got no, some, no. like, <laughs> I was awake every hour on the hour, thanks to that Mega Mac. Tom, for fucking... Tom just, <laughs> just wrap it up. <laughs> I haven't been able to look at Pebble Dash over the same, Joe. Fucking wrap it up. I'm just going to hang up. Just wrap it up. Rory, Dan, James, thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, boys. Take care. Well, I suppose I should end this episode how I started it, which is on my own. A couple of bits of housekeeping for you while I remember. I'm told that voting is now open for the British podcast awards i think you know what i'm trying to say here if you don't we've put the link on our twitter and instagram or you could just google british podcast awards you'll find it and you'll know what to do and finally if you're new to this show once you finish this episode let me recommend that you go and download our best bits that way you'll get the gist of what we've been doing for nine months and if you're growing the show and you are recommending us to a friend The message, as cleared by me and Joe, is this. Start with the Best Bits episode. What's the message? (laughs) You're right. Start with the Best Bits episode. And then I'll see you Monday, hopefully, with Joe. 
If you know where he is, you see him, do get in touch at Joe Marler Show on all the usual social platforms. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.